Hey, Valley fans, you're listening to the March to the Arch podcast. Is your team going to win? Make some noise! This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to the Martial Arch Podcast in this 2023-2024 Missouri Valley Conference season. This is the preseason episode. We're going to debut our 1 through 12 picks. We have Valley Hoops insider Harry Schrader join us for a conversation about the preseason and what to expect in this upcoming season. And then we are joined by head coach of the Bradley Braves, Brian Wardle, to preview the upcoming season, talk a little bit about winning the league last year, and just an all-around great conversation to get us ready for this season that starts here this upcoming Monday November 6th will be the start to this season. But before we get into the, this great episode, how are we doing today, Baker? We're doing awesome. Season's coming up. Can't wait for it. But uh, fl- going to flip this out back to you. Um, how was your offseason, Vance? You know what, Baker? Um, this was one of the best off-seasons and a life-changing uh, off-season, Baker. Uh, maybe for those behind the curtain, uh, maybe looking through the podcast, um, all of our preview episodes with uh, the uh, the teams, the three teams for each episode, those were recorded uh, what feels like months ago. Um, so if about there's anything about we- two months ago. Thank you. Yeah. If we missed anything glaring, it's because we had to get these things in in the can uh, to say per se, uh, because you know what? I joined an elusive club uh, this offseason and I am a proud father of a new daughter, um, a a future Suki cheerleader, maybe. Um, But yes, uh, Baker, I am officially a dad. Well, congratulations, obviously. I've, I've given that to you already, but on the podcast officially, congratulate you. Um, what's it been like, though? I mean, you're kind of in your early stages. Uh, uh, how's things been going? Yeah, as of recording time, uh, she's about two and a half weeks old. Um, hey, things are going good. She's obviously the cutest um, baby out there, um, you know, and I'll find anyone who says anything different. Um, she's going to bleed my bank account dry whenever she gets older. And um, ultimately, um, I, I'm just over the moon. I love dad life. Um, she, me and my wife, we are getting some semblance of sleep. Um, she's been pretty good to us. So um, it's, it's going great, Baker. So you're two weeks in. So have you hit the point of like you are in a kind of a inconsistent routine? Yeah, it's kind of like um, whenever she gets hungry, um, that kind of <laughs> dictates our life. <laughs> right, right. But you do kind of hit a point like at least it's been a minute um, since we had my youngsters. But you hit that point like kind of a couple weeks in where you're like you kind of at least have an idea of how the day is going to kind of go. I mean, obviously there might be a, there are a few wild cards in there, but at least like you're kind of at the point where it's like, OK, we need to sleep here. Or we need to try to catch a few Z's here and uh, do this here because we got a little window here. Have you at least at that point where you can kind of map out your day the best you can? Absolutely. And there are way more good days than there are bad days. So um, just loving life. Um, But, yeah, things are great. Um, It was a a little bit of a whirlwind the last couple months trying to get all this stuff prepped. But, um, you know, thanks for uh, turning it back on me. But, yeah, I'm uh, I'm ecstatic. And uh, thanks for the, the well wishes. But. Ready to get into some 2023-2024 uh, Missouri Valley hoops. Let's do it. 
All right, Valley fans, Baker and I are going to get into our picks 1 through 12 in this upcoming season. So these are our preseason picks. Um, we're going to go back and forth here a little bit. Just we'll, we'll say our 1 through 12, and then we'll just do some bantering uh, team by team. Um, just if, if you want to know about each one of these individual teams, I highly suggest going back to previous episodes where we broke down um, specifically these teams, who's who's returning, who left, what you expect out of these teams. This is truly our preseason pick so with that baker take us one through 12 for yours all right i have has my pick to win the missouri valley conference this year the northern iowa panthers at my number one team number two close behind is drake number three bradley braves number four indiana state at number five belmont at number six illinois state number seven missouri state number eight murray state nine illinois chicago 10 evansville 11 southern illinois and at 12, Valparaiso. Vance, what is your 1 through 12? My preseason Missouri Valley champion, I have the Drake Bulldogs at number one. At number two, I have the Northern Iowa Panthers. At number three, I have the Indiana State Sycamores. At number four, I have the Belmont Bruins. At number five, I have the Bradley Braves. At six, Missouri State Bears. Seven, Murray State Racers. Eight, Illinois State Redbirds. Nine, Southern Illinois Salukis. Ten, the UIC Flames. Eleven, Evansville Purple Aces. And twelve, the Valparaiso Beacons. Baker, what? so the, let's just start at the top. Um, yep. Why Northern Iowa? So for me, um, and this is, an, I, I, I'm sure for you the same sentiment will be, this is very close. Like this Absolutely. is, I think we're splitting hairs between these two teams. I really do. I am. Um, the reason I picked Northern Iowa was kind of, you go through the whole list and you're kind of checking off boxes. Like when you're talking about best player, um, you probably have the two best players in the league, Bowen Bourne and Tucker DeVries, you slight edge to Tucker DeVries, obviously. Um, coaching, two of the best coaches in the league, DeVries and Jacobson, you give the slight edge to Jake. Um, I think for me, though, as I was going through things, and I think it comes down to the known of Northern Iowa versus the unknown of Drake. Um, Drake's bringing in a lot of really, really good, talented players, a lot of great transfers. Um, but with Northern Iowa, I know a little bit more about them. Um, I know a little bit more about the depth that they have. I, 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 I guess a, my opinion is like last year's Northern Iowa's lack of veterans that they had is going to pay dividends this year. And them going through all the kind of, you know, you had a lot of youth playing a lot of big minutes for them. I think bringing back Heisey is also a huge factor. Um, one of the better defenders in the league coming in, and he's going to be able to um, kind of give them that guy to take the best, you know, perimeter player every night. Um, I think that, um, along with the fact that you're re-racking a team, um, as talented as the guys are that Drake is bringing in, and you can go down the list, you know, Ethan Roberts, Ten Wright, Kyron Gibson. I mean, there's they've got some really good freshmen coming in as well. Drake's going to have a good team. I don't love the fact that you're losing uh, Wilkins and then specifically Roman Penn and Garrett Sturts. I think those are two – Penn and Sturts are two guys that, for me, are unbelievably hard to replace. Um, it's hard to bring a guy – pick a guy up that's going to instantly do the thing Sturts did or a guy with the veteran leadership of a Penn who made a lot of big plays to win games to get you to that Bradley game at the end of the season. So, um, you know, zero shock if Drake wins the league, but – um, for me, that's kind of my reasoning and kind of why I came up with Northern Iowa. It's, it's incredibly close though. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it's definitely close. Uh, my main reason, uh, putting Drake over the top is Tucker DeVries. 
Um, he is the reason why I believe um, they will win the Valley. Um, obviously, he's the player of the year, the preseason player of the year. Um, I, I think he's someone that I mean, he's the best player in the league, and I think 100%. he will he will win games for Drake. Um, potentially shouldering uh, some of that burden early on in the season as some of these new guys um, that we just talked about, you know, I'm very excited about Ethan Roberts, Roberts. Um, so getting some of them used to the Drake style, I think having someone like Tucker DeVries to basically go win games for you early on um, is why I have them um, at number one. Yeah, no, that's, and that's a fair, fair argument. I, I to me, I, I feel like anyone out there who has, Drake or Northern Iowa, I don't think they need to defend their pick. I really don't. Oh, like I think that you can. I and there's a reason why. I think I don't know what the preseason poll was specifically, but I, I they got both of them were like pretty close in first place votes. I mean, especially for yeah. a team who was a team who was picked eighth last year or who finished eighth last year in Northern Iowa. That's how much everybody else thinks that this is a close race. Like these are two and, really good teams. And bigger one thing I kind of want to show uh, with Northern Iowa just in, in the last five years, like the trend is what it is. Um, <laughs> let's see here in the 1819 season, they finished sixth. The next year they, they won the league um, in the 2020, 2021, they finished seventh. The next year, 2021, 2022, they won the league uh, last year. Um, they finished eighth. Um, you know, if we're going to go by the trend, <laughs> it's their turn to uh, win the league. So, you yeah. know, I, I, I like to think that um, if you look at the uh, that trend, it's a it's a it's a straight up M. Um, if you look at the, the line chart there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And it's and, and I think like I mean, that uh, obviously that's a feather in the cap of Ben Jacobson guy who I don't think oh, he yeah. needs to prove anything to anybody in the Missouri Valley. He's I think he's the guy um, that said, though. Darren DeVries has really done a good – I mean, since he's been in the league, from if we want to take a step back of what Drake was to what they are now, I mean, I can also hear, like, a lot of people yelling into the their phones right now saying, like, look what he's done. He's he's oh, yeah. su- succeeded literally at every juncture in his coaching career. You know, this thing happened with um, – I can't think of the kid from uh, Illinois. Uh, Norton got hurt uh, in his first year. And still found his way to finish second in the league. Um, you know, he he navigated every tough pothole that he's seen so far at Drake. And this is a new one. Um, obviously, you haven't coached without Garrett Sturts and without a Roman Penn forever. Um, so this is it's going to be an interesting race. I um, I really pray Northern Iowa doesn't let me down the non-conference like they have a couple the last few years because I'm going to feel really dumb if they do that because that's always been a kind of a Northern Iowa thing is they, they come out slow. And I actually, I don't expect that to happen this year with what they're bringing back and kind of, this is the same group, but just with Heisey, it's going to be a better version of that group. I do. I am afraid for Drake. Um, could they still win the league and maybe come out a little bit slow as kind of bringing the pieces together? I, I definitely think they could, um, especially just with well, and their non-conference is relatively favorable to yes. guard against that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, no doubt. So maybe let's move into the second tier. So that's kind of our, our one and two tier. Um, do I think some of those teams could like? Does the the tier one and tier two blend together, um, especially where we're at in the preseason. Yes. But maybe let's get into that second tier that you have Baker. Yeah. So my next tier is uh, at three and four with Bradley and Indiana state. And uh, for both teams, um, Bradley at three, Indiana state at four, you could go either way. I think I have gone back and forth on these two teams many times this preseason. 
Um, and do not be shocked if either of these teams are uh, cutting down the nets at the end of the season and are the number one seed going into the Arch Madness. Um, I think they're both really good teams. Uh, they're both replacing a lot. I think that's why people have a little bit more pause about them, um, where you're replacing um, at Bradley, you're replacing Jay Sean Henry, uh, Zeke Montgomery, and then, of course, Rink Mast. That said, you're still bringing back quite a bit. Um, Leon's, Hickman, Dean, Hannah, those four guys you're going to hear a lot about. Um, an interesting group that they're that I, I don't want to dive too much into Bradley because we actually, obviously, in this episode, you're going to hear Brian Ward will talk about him. Um, it's I think the one thing interesting about them is I'm I'm curious to see how often they play big and how often they play small and kind of how that how they navigate the valley in that way. But um, they're going to be a really good team. I just don't think losing the guys that they did. I don't know if they've quite got the firepower as a Drake or a Northern Iowa. Same thing with Indiana State losing. Guys like Cam Henry, um, you're losing guys like Kavastia McCauley. Um, it, it's just Cooper Nice, obviously, another player that they lost. But you're bringing in a lot of guys, and uh, Isaiah Swope, who we'll talk about when we get in the all-conference teams, a guy who is a transfer coming in who found his way on the third team, which is kind of uh, a new thing I hadn't seen in a long time. I don't know if I've ever seen that in the Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to be a really important player for them. He needs, I think for, for the success of Indiana State, I think he needs to be a pretty big piece to that puzzle. But both teams I like a lot. Avila coming back, Larry coming back. Um, they've got talent on this team. Aaron Gray is a guy that I'm, I'm really curious to see how he comes in. Um, they've, they've got a really good blend on this team. It, to me, it's a it, they're two really good teams. They're just not quite there at one and two for me. Yep. No, that, that's fair. Um, my second tier is a little bit bigger or broader, I would say. Um, so I have Indiana State at third, Belmont fourth, Bradley fifth, and Missouri State at sixth. So that is a tier on its own for me. Um, you know, I'm not going to belabor everything you said, but Indiana State, I really like um, the the style of play that Coach Shirts has them kind of run and gun. I think you got Avila, who's the the best big man um, in the Missouri Valley, um, or you know him and Brody definitely going back and forth as the best big man uh, from drake but um i everything you said about swope uh julian larry um and then also jake wolf coming over from moorhead state you know moorhead state who won the ovc he started you know over 30 games for them um so really 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 like indiana state and i've been high on them the last couple years um belmont um that's the one that i think everyone kind of um points at and probably more so bradley at fifth that i'm gonna hear a lot of chirping from but once again it it, it's kind of the tier for me i really like what uh casey alexander has and, and we talk about it with harry schrader too so i'm not gonna belabor that one a little bit um but I, I think all of these teams in that Indiana State, Belmont, Bradley, Missouri State are interchangeable for me, um, and they're all right there bunched together. Uh, Missouri State being at six and probably the weakest of this tier, just um, I still have question marks on expectations with Missouri State and um, them achieving the level of expectations we have in the preseason But uh, whenever we're, we're, we're previewing Arch Madness. Yeah, I think with Belmont, um, and I'll get into my next tier because I think that's the the one that I have a difference in. They're kind of the standout of my next tier, though, so maybe they should have been in their own. Um, but I feel like they're closer to the next three than they are the, the higher two. Um, the one thing about Belmont that kind of gives me a little bit of pause is you are replacing Ben Shepard. You're, you're going without a guy who got drafted 26 in the NBA draft. Um, mm-hmm. Casey Alexander's a winner. Um, he's won everywhere he's gone. And he's a really tremendous coach. And I think that um, the long-term future of Belmont, I, I trust him a ton. 
that said, I, I wonder if they'll have a little bit of slowness getting off the blocks. And with as competitive as the Valley is going to be, um, what's that going to mean for Belmont? So um, looking at their roster, they've got a lot of really good players coming in, a lot of good freshmen. Uh, Shinarski is a guy from uh, Burlington Central who my nephew uh, reminded me he scored four points against when I was talking about him. But he's, uh, he's going to be someone to watch out for uh, this season, a 6'9 guy. Uh, really versatile Illinois All-State player. They, they, I can go on and on about their roster, but they're going to be really good. Um, for me, they're the best co- – They're of my next four, so my next four are uh, Belmont at five, Illinois State at six. I have – let me see here. I have Missouri State at seven and Murray State at number eight. So what I was going to – what how this goes for me, um, the best overall roster and the best coach is Belmont. Maybe they should be on their own tier. Um, kind of got into that already. Uh, so then we're looking at the next three, and it comes Murray State, Missouri State, Illinois State. And I think when you look at roster, I think Missouri State has the best roster. If you look mm-hmm. at coach, the most proven coach, I think that goes to Murray State with Prome. But I think Illinois State finished the second in both of those. So to me, I think Illinois State's got a better roster than Murray State, and I think they're better coach than Missouri State. So for me, that's why I have them at sixth. Um, I really love what Illinois State's done. You've heard me talk about it already, uh, about the guys they brought in. I think Miles Foster might be the best player. Um, he does a lot of really good things that people are going to see. He's, he's a stat stuffer down the paint, um, and he gets the ball. He puts it in. Um, Jordan Davis coming in from Wisconsin, I think, is going to be a big-time player. Uh, did a really good job recruiting with uh, Kinzinger, Pence coming in as well. Um, and then we're not even talking about the guys they brought back, Pondexter, Burford, Lewis, Kazuki, guys that you've heard of, guys who have given good minutes to Illinois State. Um, so I think that's the normal trajectory for a Peden to kind of finish sixth place. After that, um, Missouri State and Murray State, I, I think you can go either way on either team. I'm not really sold on either team one way or the other. I guess I give Missouri State the edge over them, just better roster. But it's it's razor close, fans. How do you see your next year? Yeah, my next tier is, um, I would say, group together, um, Murray, Illinois State, Southern, um, and Illinois, Chicago, sorry, UIC. Um, that, that's kind of my next tier, uh, a little bit interchangeable. Um, the analytics would say that Murray State's the outlier there, so I'm a big believer in Kim Palm. Um, Murray actually has a positive um, uh, efficiency um, metric. Um, whereas uh, Illinois State, Southern, and USC have negative ones. Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think that's the tier. Um, with Murray, I, I mean, I really like Jacoby Wood and Rob Perry. Um, I like that one to uh, punch. Rob Perry can control a game and take over a game. Um, and so I, that's just one thing with Murray that I always see that I think he – I think he'll be sniffing some of the higher accolades – um, you know, maybe that first team, um, maybe come the end of the year that I, I just really like Rob Perry's game, um, yep. for Murray, um, Illinois state. I just think there's just positive momentum. Uh, maybe it's just maybe a little bit of rose colored glasses just cause we've talked with head coach Ryan Peden so much, um, and just what that program, um, is doing, you know, with the next step. Um, and then Southern, obviously I have my own biases with Southern. I think there's just so much unknown with Southern on where our offense is going to come from, uh, losing Damask and Lance Jones, you know, we got to fill over, you know, 50% of our scoring, where's it going to come from? Um, so that's, that's my biggest unknown. And also just maybe some, uh, uh, just early, um, hurdles of just getting, there's a lot of new players that are going to have to 
um, take on minutes and take on scoring that there's just so many unknowns. Um, I love Xavier Johnson. Um, I think he will be, um, you know, kind of our go-to team leader this year. Um, But ultimately offense is the name of the game with Southern and where's it going to come from? Yeah. Before I touch on uh, Southern, I do want, cause they're in my next tier. Um, I do want to mention something about Murray state. I think the one thing that pauses me for them is an inside game. I, 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 where's it going to come from? That's, I think the size for them um, is kind of the unknown for Murray state. Um, they, they're great guards. Brian Moore jr's guy. I don't even think you mentioned him. He's, he's one of the guys that um, I think he was double figures in Valley play last year. He was really good at times for them when plugged in. So um, I, I, and, and the one thing about those teams like Missouri state, Murray state, I think we can both agree. Like, these teams could finish, you know, four through eight, and there's not going to be like a. I'm not going to be like stunned. I'm not going to be like forward right. if any yeah. of these teams finish in there. Um, I think it's just kind of tearing this out as we go. Uh, my next tier uh, comes from nine through eleven, and uh, I go Illinois, Chicago at nine, Evansville at ten, eleven is Southern Illinois, which I know you don't love, but um, quickly on the Flames, I really, uh, I think they're going to have a hard time. Um, it's hard to replace Jace Carter and the guys that they lost last year, replacing Jace Carter, Trevante Anderson, Jalen Jackson was a guy I really was hoping was going to come back. I was excited to see, but um, Toby Akani is a guy who he, he was a good scorer last year. Uh, Scoble in the middle is going to be a really good player. Um, Isaiah Rivera, a kid from Colorado state. I'm excited to see uh, Marquise Kennedy coming back to the Valley from Loyola is another guy. I think that gives them kind of that stability at that point guard position for them. And I think Luke, the Oklich, I think the world of him, I think he's a really good coach. He's been around different programs and he's been around successful ones and he's seen how, how it's done. So um, you're in good hands. UIC Evansville um, going to be an interesting team. Um, I think that they've got one of the front runners for freshman of the year and Chuck Bailey. Um, they're returning Strawbridge, who is a really, really good scorer. Obviously, you guys have seen him uh, last year. Toomey's back. Um, Gage Bob. Uh, they got Antonio Thomas, who I'm excited to see coming back from Bradley. Um, I think that they could be one of those teams that, if, if we're looking at a bottom four team, that could make their way into the top five or six. I think Evansville's that team for me. Um, and now to kind of rip off the Band-Aid and talk about the Salukis. Um, I do have them 11th. Um, I think, I, I think the world of Brian Mullen, especially as a defensive coach, you guys are going to play defense like crazy for me. Um, I don't think you can win enough games in the Valley to finish higher than 11th, 10th, maybe ninth with being in the fifties. I just don't think the scoring is going to be there for them. Uh, Kenner Davis is a guy I'm really excited to see. Um, Xavier Johnson is a good player too. I mean, you've got good, you've got some good players. I just don't think that you have enough scoring. And I think that's going to be the really big question for, for Southern Illinois, if um, if the games are in the fifties, I think those are the games you can win. If they're if you get in the sixties, seventies, I don't I don't think you can win those ball games in the valley, um, which is which is a shame. But I know I know I'm kind of twisting the knife on you. I'm not trying to do that. Um, I just think that it's really hard for a team who at times last year struggled to score the basketball, and you had Domask and Lance Jones on that team. You mm-hmm. took those two guys away to the Big Ten. And we're going to assume we can just replace them and keep scoring with what we've been doing. Same coaching philosophy, same everything. I have no doubt you're going to play defense. I just, I don't see scoring averaging more than 50, 55 points a game. And I think that's, that's where it is for me. And once again, I've said this so many times, whether on the side, um, in the previews, I, I can't disagree with any of the assessments, the analytics, the, 
The data supports. I have no idea where this offense has come from. The only thing anecdotally I can share is that maybe this uh, this frees up some some touches for players that didn't get them last year because the ball was running through Damask and Jones, you know, eighty percent of the time, um, sure. and that maybe they'll be able to come into their own a little bit more on the offensive end and give them more opportunities to uh, score the ball. So, I mean, it's anecdotal. Data supports everything you said. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, it's a fair analysis for the Salukis and general concern. Um, we won two games when scoring, um, 50 points. Um, and that was one regular season and then against Missouri state at Arch Madness. Yeah. And and, and to be honest with you, like when I look at the rosters of like, a Illinois, Chicago, and then I look at a roster of a Evansville and I compare that to Southern Illinois, I look at their rosters and I think to myself, like they're going to score 60, 70 points. I'm not afraid. I'm not scared of those teams scoring 60, 70 points. They're not going to play nearly the defense of Southern Illinois, but they're going to score the basketball. And I think they're going to need, that's going to be how that they will finish ahead. In my opinion, um, going to the final team, which they're on their own tier is Valparaiso. I'm not trying to twist the knife Valpo fans. Trust me. I'm not. Um, I think that um, if you look at this roster, it's pretty weak. Um, I think Roger Powell's a home run hire for you. And I think over time, he's going to, you guys are going to be just fine. He's been a winner everywhere you've gone. Harry, we talk about it with him as well. Um, I think everybody is collectively, from a Valley fan perspective, Vance, excited to see what the Valparaiso Beacons do in the future. Um, that said, it's going to be a tough five to six months, I think, for this team. Um, but it's kind of a situation where you just need to kind of sit back and trust the process. I hope, I, I hope Valpo fans going into the season have the same mentality that myself and a lot of Illinois State fans had with Ryan Pete in his first year. Just kind of, well, there's a shout out to Kona who uh, they can make an appearance on the preseason poll episode. Um, but uh, my, I, I think that you need to take the same perspective that we did where you're just let them play, no expectations. It's going to be what it is and kind of save any expectations and um, kind of hope for climbing the standings till year two, two year two, three. Absolutely. I mean, this was the year that um, when the portal was as hot as it was, having a delayed um, head coach hiring, it, it was going to put any team um, in the back seats. Uh, so I, I, what was I, that? Was I, like, I mean, it was like 10 days, right? After yeah. It, March Madness. After the, it was, there was a little delay there, right? Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, because uh, Gonzaga had to bow out of the NCAAs. That's right. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Is that, so, is that where you're at on Valpo as well? I mean, I'm not, I, I, I know we're not going to talk a ton about them just because I know that they're probably not going to have a strong season, but I don't want to like shortchange your fans either. Uh, is that kind of where you're at long term on Valpo? Absolutely. Play loose. Enjoy the season. Enjoy whatever uh, the culture that uh, Coach Powell is going to bring to Valparaiso and get behind this team, because I think you should be ecstatic about um, Roger Powell Jr. being your head coach. All right. Well, quickly, just to recap, uh, my preseason rankings, Northern Iowa one, Drake two, Bradley three, Indiana State four, Belmont five, Illinois State six, Missouri State seven, Murray State eight, Illinois Chicago ninth, Evansville at 10, Southern Illinois 11, Valparaiso at 12. Vance's preseason predictions are Drake at 1, Northern Iowa 2, Indiana State at 3, Belmont at 4, Bradley at 5, Missouri State at 6, 7, he has Murray State, 8, he has Illinois State, number 9, Southern Illinois, 10, Illinois, Chicago, 11, Evansville, and at 12, Valparaiso. All right, Valley fans, it wouldn't be a preseason Missouri Valley Hoops March Charge podcast without our friend um, and Valley Hoops 
insider Harry Schrader joining the March Arch podcast. Um, he's been very good to us in the past years. Someone that I know specifically, I have grown up reading Valley Hoops Insider. So just getting to know him through this podcast has meant the world to me. But hey, we're here to start the 2023-2024 Missouri Valley Hoops schedule or a uh, season. And we need Harry's insights uh, for this upcoming season because we're nine days out from as we're recording this Sunday evening. Nine days out, Harry. Yeah, it's crazy. Can't wait. You know, we've got, uh, yeah, it's going to be so much fun. I think the league's going to be a lot better. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It is. So um, getting right into it, um, just before you came on, me and John kind of, or Baker went through our one through 12. Um, so maybe let's just get in a, a general sense of how you see the Missouri Valley this year. And we gave you our one through 12, anything that you would, that sticks out to you. Well, listen, I did my own one to 12 voted for the, in the league and I put it out on bustingbrackets.com. I don't even remember what I said, but I know what you guys said now. And, uh, no, you know, everybody's picking Northern Iron Drake one and two. I mean, you can flip the coin. One, one of those two is going to be the top two. I think it, then those next four or five, are the ones that we really want to think about. And uh, Vance Butler fifth, really? I, I just, I just think they have to be in the top three. I think, I, I think uh, Bradley, I, did I say Butler Bradley? You said, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Bradley. I, I, I messed that up. Bradley. I, I just can't see it. I mean, they're just so good. They have to be in the top three. Uh, but so not to, call you out like that but i just think the fifth that's like criminal and then uh no, that sounds like i'm calling you out uh and then i just saw it uh illinois states uh on the other side is way too high there baker i just i think you had them like fifth or sixth or something like that sixth place sixth yeah, place that, that, that's too high and 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 I'll, and I'll tell you why it's too high it's because we just don't know about those players yet. I, I, I'm not critical of them. I know I had them eighth in the uh, uh, in my busting brackets thing. And when I wrote that, I said, this might be my worst selection because I think they're a team that does have the possibility to get a lot higher. Uh, but I think eighth is too high. And SIU 11th? I mean, Baker, yep. there's, there's no chance. Not because uh, there aren't teams that maybe could be as good. They're just going to be play so much. Uh, so such good defense that there's no way that they're going to finish 11th in the league. Who's going to score for them though? Well, that's, you know, it's a great question, right? But they've got some terrific young players. Uh, you know, that's what we hope, you know, we read online and, and so forth. I think Xavier Johnson's going to have a big year uh, as well. And, and so I, I offense is never their priority. If you know what I mean, they're not, they're only going to give up 65 points. They only got to get 66 and, and, yeah. and you know, they can, they can I, do that. Um, can they think, though? Well, sure. I think they can. I, 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 see, I don't that's, think that's where I'm at. Harry is sorry yeah. to cut you off, but just to defend my Southern take, I don't <laughs> think they're a 66 point team. Like I think they're, they're going to have to win games in the fifties Well, every night. They, and I, and they, I don't think they can win more than four or five Valley games that way. They, they might have to do that. I think that, uh, uh, again, their defense is the thing that they hang their hat on, of course. And, For sure. And, and I like the guy Sheridan Sharp that they recruited out of St. Louis. And I think he's going to be really good. Uh, I'm hearing all kinds of things about uh, Rupert really going to be kind of take that next step uh, for them. The guy that they got from St. Peter's, Trey Miller is a good player. You know, I think he's a guy that's going to be a big scorer for him. I think they've got players and I think they're young guys. People are going to be surprised by. Uh, so we, I, I think they're better than that. I don't think they're better than eighth or ninth though. 
Yeah, yeah I think they're, they're the. Uh, no, go ahead. Southern's Vince. the team. Yeah, Southern's the team that just is the biggest unknowns in my mind. There's just a lot of unpro- unproven players. You know, we haven't even said anything about Ken- uh, Kenner-, Kenner Davis, who theoretically could be the freshman of the year um, in, in my mind, just because of the the time, the minutes he's going to get in that lineup. Um, but so I think they're the unknown. And then, of course, you're trying to replace plays over 50% of your scoring from last year. Like I, I get Baker. Um, he's, he's being a little bit uh, contrarian on my Salukis. I get it. <laughs> um, I think he was trying to make a splash in his pick similar to what I did with uh, Bradley um, and putting them at fifth. Um, honestly, some of mine is um, it has nothing against, Oh, um, I'm not putting Wardle versus Casey Alexander, but I just love Casey Alexander's program and what he's put together. I know it's a young team with Belmont and, and this is me more of defending Belmont than it is uh, Bradley, but I love Kate Tyson. I love Gillespie and, and um, uh, Keyshawn Davidson. I yeah. think just that program, they're coming into the Valley. It'll be year two. They now know what, what it takes to get into that top four. Um, and I mean, they were, they were, they were there last year. So I, I just, I really like Belmont. Um, and it has really less to do with Bradley and more of how much I like Belmont this year. No, I get that. And and I, I've said repeatedly, I think there are six teams that can actually win the league. I really do. I think the top six can, any of those top six can win the league. But I, like I wrote a story last week about Bradley. I said, but Bradley's going to be in the top three, no matter what and they might, they might win it, but, and they, but they're not finishing six. They're going to be in the top three. Yeah, Bradley. Bradley's definitely an interesting team, but the one, the, the two I want to talk about right now, Harry. And you said earlier, you're like, this might be my worst ranking. Well, I hope it's not, because you and I both have Northern Iowa as number one in the in the Valley wow. this season. But I think the big, I think the big debate a lot of people are having is for that one and two spot. Uh, for you, what was the difference putting Northern Iowa ahead of Drake for you? Uh, two things, actually. Well, maybe even three when I think about it. The uh, the new guys at Drake come in with great resumes and great resumes at the division one level, not just, they were high prospects in high school, uh, how well they blend. And I've got unbelievable respect for Darren DeVries. So I'm sure they'll blend well. Uh, I just, some of the people I've talked to have said those new guys are having a struggle fitting in and, uh, playing the way they want them to play. Now that obviously may or may not affect conference play because they can figure that out by then. Uh, the other thing is I think Northern only won 14 games last year. I, I realize that and I'm picking them to win the league. Um, but they had, they've got seven starters and uh, they have uh, with Nate Heisey coming back and Jacob Hudson filling the uh, Austin Fife role in the post. I think immediately they take, three steps forward, you know, and, and so when you have that and you've got Duax and Wolf coming off their red shirt freshman year, where they both received all Valley honors and they're going to be older, they're going to be better. I, I think they're going to be outstanding. And and so I think it's their cohesiveness versus not knowing how the new guys are going to really fit in, though they're very talented at Drake and, and, uh, you know, Ben Jacobson, I don't know, you know, that, that you just say Ben Jacobson and you think, Oh, well, they're going to win. So I, th- those would be the fine line dif- differences I would make. I think they're going to both be terrific. I had Northern Iowa one and and Drake number two. I think we're splitting hairs, especially when you look at those two teams. For me, it was like, as I was trying to decide for my number one, I was like, okay, the Drake checks this box. Northern Iowa checks this box. And I was going back and forth. And it actually, for me, it came down to um, the known versus the unknown, yep. especially with Drake. A lot of the unknown, um, you know, 
I don't think you can be as deep from a scoring perspective when you lose a guy like a Roman Penn and a Garrett Sturts, and you lose what they did to games. Yeah, I mean those are the two, those two probably affected the game in the Valley more than almost anyone who's gone. Maybe Rink Mast you can make that case for, but what Roman Penn did and then the dirty work kind of what Sturts did. Um, outside of maybe the Bradley guys, Mast and Henry, it's, it's really hard to find guys who impacted the game that much. And so I think having to replace them, um, which they did bring a lot of talent in and they could be replaced, but it, I feel like that's going to be a much more difficult task. I think so too. The, the X factor, right. Is Tucker and uh, Tucker to yeah. because, you know, he could become, I, I was talking to him. I've talked to him twice about this and to his father, about the comparisons to him and Doug McDermott, the old Creighton player who played for his father and so forth. Uh, if if Tucker decides to be a 25-point-a-game guy and they just kind of all fill in gaps around him, they might be unbeatable in the league because I think yeah. he's got that kind of skill. So it kind of depends on how that all plays out. But that, but like you said, it, I'm splitting hairs. I think, you know, I'm a 60 I'm a 60, 40, 55, 45, you know, Northern Iowa versus Drake at this point. Yeah, I think that's the same with me. Um, so I want to take you outside of kind of that top four, which um, a lot of people kind of are, are similar in that perspective. But kind of looking outside, who would be kind of a dark horse that you think could make that jump that you're kind of thinking nobody's talking about right now? But I really want to see how they look, and they could be that team to maybe bump into the top four and compete for the title even. If I can work my way backwards, we mentioned Southern being a mystery. I think Valpo, Evansville, UIC are all mysteries as well. We don't we don't know what they're bringing. That's the bottom four in terms of what we don't we don't know about those guys. And then we've got kind of the next group. I think Missouri State's scary to me um, because every year we go, oh, they got great talent. They should be really good. And then they kind of finish a little bit down in the pack. Uh, but they have a collection of guys that, uh, for the first time in a couple of years, are back together. And um, Chance Moore, who was terrific off the bench for them last year and didn't start. And one of the reasons he didn't start is he didn't play any defense. Uh, I talked to him the other day about that. And and he said, I'm committed to being an all-Valley defensive player. Coach told me that that's the thing. And so, I mean, I asked him straight out, like, okay, you weren't any good at defense. What's, you know, what what's going to be different? And, uh, and so that kind of a commitment from the guy that's maybe your leading scorer coming back uh, changes some things. Matthew Lee, I think, is a game changer in this league, the point guard that Big came over player. St. Peter's. Uh, I watched him. I was at – I went to two or three of their games in that Sweet 16 run. I happened to be at that regional. And um, Matthew Lee is just a winner and knows how to lead his teammates and, and get them to play the right way. So I think Moore's change in attitude. I think Lee's ability to be that point guard. I, I think they could be scary. Good. Uh, they've got some, you know, the, the one kid, I guess it's Pettigrew. That was the uh, overtime elite kit, uh, who might be one of the best players in the entire league. I, I think they're, they could be, they could be that team. It was really, it felt like we were kind of short change last year with Matthew Lee going down against BYU. So yeah. early in the season, I think that his impact could have, who knows what that bears team could have been last year. So I, yeah. I think that's definitely a really good point. Um, one team that literally no one is talking about in the league. And I want to at least give them a little bit of love because they did just change their coach is the Valparaiso beacons. Mm. Roger Powell coming in, looking at the roster. I think there's good reason why a lot of people aren't really talking <laughs> about him, Harry, but um what are your expectations at least looking at Valpo in the long term because you know bringing in a proven winner everywhere he's been whether it's been as a player or as a coach in Roger Powell 
What are your thoughts looking at kind of what he's done so far and what you kind of see in the future for Valparaiso basketball? Well, listen, as fellow men of the cloth, he's one of my favorite guys, right? And uh, I've really enjoyed talking to him a couple of times. I think he's got the right attitude. You said it a minute ago, winner every place he's been as a player, as a professional player, as an assistant coach at two to two, three different places. So winning is just something you learn how to do. And so I expect them to rise. And, and I think that Valparaiso community will support uh, the program if they get a little momentum. Uh, you're right about the players that they have in, meaning they're relatively unknown. Uh, but some of these guys, you know, as you dig deeper into them, they're players that are may were maybe a little under the radar, but they really have quality, some quality new players that are going to help that team be better. Uh, but long term, I think Valpo is a program that could really rise. I think I think Roger Powell was the perfect hire, and uh, for the perfect place. What I mean, he's a winner. You could take him anywhere. Uh, but uh, I mentioned it, a man of faith and that school at least has some kind of Lutheran religious background. And so he feels free to be the guy that he is. And I talked to uh, a number of their players. Schweiger is one of the new guys that's there. He uh, talked about just, man, his, the, his uh, not charisma, his belief system are, is so strong that players are just gravitating to it and catching it themselves. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and it, it's interesting looking at the roster they put together a lot of good prep school background for what yeah. he could get. And, and, and if we're being honest and, and not to, I want to at least kind of give them a little bit of rope because he was kind of, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of time to really work in what he wants on, from a recruiting perspective. It was kind of like right. the fire drill for him. Yeah. And I think, I think, think what he put together was, I mean, the best you can and, you know, we'll see, hopefully they can improve and then uh, build off this season. You know, and maybe Palm can be good. What I mean is he was a guy that they thought, you know, that Matt Lottie yeah. thought was going to be good, and then he's missed a lot of time with injury. And uh, But the other – I mean, they brought nobody back, basically, if you know what I mean. Like, if you look across the league and Valpo brings these guys back, nobody in the league said, oh, whoa, look out for them. It, it just wasn't there. Those guys didn't have minutes, didn't have experience. And so the new guys are going to be, you know, huge, huge, huge for what it looks like this year. It could be tough sledding this year, but but you asked me the long-term question. I think they're in good hands. I think so too. And Jerome Paul was Paul was actually a guy last year that I was excited to see. And so I think this year there's going to be much more of an opportunity. But um, Harry, it would not be preseason with Harry if we didn't talk a little bit of realignment. No. Uh, since the last time we talked, uh, Big Ten, Big Twelve have had a pretty decent sized shift, a lot of shuffling uh, in a, a lot of different leagues. Um, where do you see the valley right now from a realignment perspective? Uh, do you think that this is going? Are we kind of in the the wait and see how things cascade down to us? Or do you think that we're in a position where maybe we should branch out and maybe try to expand this thing now rather than wait to get cannibalized? Yeah, I think it's a great question because uh, that's a very real possibility, right? But the I, I do think that the massive changing that's that's happened again, you know, it keeps, just keeps coming in waves. Uh, it a little bit misses the valley right now that since it's so football driven. And if you look across the football footprint of this league, um, there's just not that much that maybe other leagues are really interested in. You know, uh, Wyatt Wheeler has been very unhappy with the Missouri State people. They didn't raise enough money to do something for their football stadium. And um, I, I, I just think the most likely team to try to make a jump because of football would be them. But frankly, they haven't won anything in like forever. Right. And and so I don't see it. So, so to answer the question, a different direction, should they be expanding? Should, should they be looking to do something dramatically different? I think that's even harder 
the kind of programs, the kind of schools that would fit the league right now that are all, you know, with all the other splintering, I think they're in a place more than wait and see. I think it's build and build the walls. Like let's build a great uh, program. Let's build a great league and make it the league that people want to come to, not the league that, you know, is maybe weak. And so people can get picked off. Well, you mentioned about Missouri state um, as a possible team to maybe leave. And I think Vance and I've, we've been clear about this, even on our shows is like, that's the team that I think people are most expecting to leave. Do you, in your mind, do you see a team out there that's like really a good, a good fit for the Valley right now as an alternative to Missouri state? Is there, is there a team right now that's, I know the Dakotas, the Dakota state teams are, are always mentioned, but that, that takes you so far, so far, much more North. Um, is there a team or teams that really stand out to you that are like, Hey, that makes sense for the Valley. Cause before Murray state Belmont, and when we lost loyal UIC, all three made complete sense. Absolutely. I don't know if there's a team right now that makes a ton of sense, maybe Northern Kentucky. Well, I, I, I think Northern and Western Kentucky are both schools that you'd say, Hey, we'd love them in the league. I, I don't know that either of them really want to come to the Valley. I don't, I don't know that that works. Um, I think a team like Southeast Missouri is, is a possibility. Uh, they're, they're building a good basketball program. I'm, I'm not super deep in the football side, but they have a football team and they play, you know, a pretty decent competition. Um, And then I don't know if Milwaukee has football, honestly, but, but I think UW Milwaukee is a two is a school that, you know, they looked at before they looked at Omaha before Um, Mm -hmm. Milwaukee is a gigantic, I mean, just a gigantic campus, but it with lots and lots of people, I think they would have enormous resources and it would help the league kind of, kind of nudge north rather than taking a gigantic leap into the Dakotas. Yeah. And so I think this is kind of relative to kind of the next topic that's probably top of mind for us three, because uh, we've been airing our grievances um, <laughs> online and that's the, uh, the, the recent NIT changes, removing the automatic qualifier for one big conferences. I'm just going to put that out that way. Um, we, we can explain it at, at a later time, but basically it was a shot across the bow at mid-major programs. So I think that puts even more credence, Harry, into it's a wait and see and it's a build the wall because more likely than not, the environment is gonna, we're going to get impacted and we there's not a lot of steps we can take at this time to impact the the landscape. At least that's my take on it. Um, any other grievances? You just want to get out there, Harry, because, you know, this is a type of, of healing and also just going <laughs> after the NCAA as we should um, with this just asinine um, uh, change. Ten day, They made 10 days before the season um, starts. Well, it's completely ridiculous, as we know. And it's uh, it what it is, is it's this attack on the mid and low major programs or conferences uh without any regard to what's competitive i you said we've been airing our grievances online uh you know i think somebody maybe it was uh i don't know some national writer said here are the teams that would have got in last year this you know under this current thing and two or three of them had like five wins in their conference schedule i i I think if you're gonna make yeah i think if you're gonna make arbitrary things then say a team has to be at least 500 in their conference to even be considered if yep. you're if you're not 50-50 in your own league, you're just eliminated. You're not going. That's easy, yeah. right? That's easy. And and so those, you know, what we have in the Big 12 or, you know, Big 10 or whatever with the new alignment with this new thing related to the National Invitation Tournament is that if you're in that league, you're going to play postseason basketball pretty much. Like exactly. just because you're in the league, you can be the last, you know, you can be 
12th out of 14 teams and, and you've got a great chance at playing in postseason basketball. It's just ridiculous. And one mid-major coach, I forget who it was, got out and said, well, oh, now we all know they don't care about anything that we do all year long. They only care about what we do in one weekend of March because they're we're not invited to the party. And And you don't want that. Now, what I have said for years is that I think we will end up reverting back to what we used to have where Missouri State and all these schools, not all, many of the schools in our league and and uh, and and across the country, there was there was Division One. There was uh, like they have in football right now. They, they it was one Double A, and then there was two, and so forth. And they had separate things going on. And 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 I am afraid, and I think it will be that leagues like the Missouri Valley and others will just be in that lower tier, and there will be separate national championships like we see Division Two, II, Division Three, NAIA. And so forth. I think it's going to go back that direction because the money conferences, that's what I call them, the money conferences, it's all about the cash, is they want their teams in the playoffs. And this, since they are the money conferences, they get to, you know, money talks. And and that's tragic to me because I think it's going to be a gigantic detriment to college athletics in general and basketball particularly. Would expanding the NCAA tournament field help or hurt the Missouri Valley in your mind? I, th I think it depends on the criteria. I, I'm an advocate, honestly, of incre of expanding it. I really am. Uh, they've added maybe 20, 30, 40 teams to the NCAA Division One since they went to the 64 slash 68 um, team thing. And I think there's a way to do it, too. I've kind of like all of us, you know, I put things down on paper and try to figure it all out. There's a way to do it, to add, you know, 12 more teams easily. Yep. And you kind of have just a different round, a different first round, and then you launch into your 64. Um, and I think that that's a reasonable way to go. I don't know that if you want 25% of the teams, you know, in the, in the tournament, if you went to the 96 or whatever the number is that people float, um, but I think adding 10 or 12 more 12, I think is the number I, once I, I did the math one time, I think 12 is the number where you end up only with one more round right across the brackets. Um, and I, and I think it would help a, a, a league like the Missouri Valley conference, uh, depending on what the criteria, if the criteria remains the net and so forth, I think it would, I think more teams would get in. Yeah. I think it's, it, it, it keeps on there's, there's more spots for those Valley teams, because I mean, if you look every year, the the Valley along with like your A-10, your Mountain West, yeah. uh, maybe a Conference USA are kind of like those upper tier non-Power 6 conferences, maybe that next like six or seven. Those yeah. teams are all going to maybe get one more mm -hmm. of that. So maybe if there's another 12 to 15 teams, maybe five of those are mid-majors, maybe four of them are mid-majors. That I think in that respect, I think it helps the Valley. But I, the the conference, the, the one thing I have, a, I have a hard time with is because of the NIT um, kind of doing what they've done and losing that conference champion. That's the part that really frustrates me, especially no for some of those smaller conferences that, you know, say you win like the NEC. When are you ever going to play a team in the Big Ten? Maybe in the NIT. That might be your yeah. only time your entire college career to play a team like that. So I think that's where it hurts for me, just to kind of go back to that part of it. Well, you know, like I cover the the Ohio Valley Conference as well. Moorhead State won their exactly. league by, by three games last year. They lose in the conference tournament. They go to the NIT and beat Clemson in the first round. Yep. You know, so do they belong in the NIT? Of course they do. But maybe under this new regime, they wouldn't even have been invited. I was just going to ask, for, do you know if they would have made it? I do. No, I, I've got it right here. So Moorhead State, Alcorn State, Youngstown State, 
Eastern Washington and UC Irvine would not have made it. These five teams would have made it in the new system. Texas Tech, the Ohio State, Nebraska, Wake Forest, and San Jose State. Which group of which groups of teams are not like the other in that situation? <laughs> so when you're if you're a mid-major fan, you yeah. cannot say that's not a concerted effort to mute the voices totally. of of mid-major teams. That's totally true. And 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 so, you know, so much has happened, right? With the NIL things that, you know, we all, I think all three of us agree we want players to be able to make a dollar. And but the Absolutely. way it has exploded has increased the difference increase the gap uh, between the, the money conferences and, and conferences like the Missouri Valley conference, because maybe mainly because of markets and where money is available. Yep. Well, there's a lot to, of grievances we could talk about. We could keep this conversation <laughs> going for hours. It feels like, but as I mentioned earlier, we're nine days away from the season. Harry, where do you, Opening night, what are you going to be doing? Um, are, are you dialed into multiple games? Are you um, just excited and, and the anticipation of the building? Or kind of what's your thoughts um, opening you know, week from an excitement level? I am not. I don't need analysis. Just where's your yeah. excitement level right now, Harry? I, no, I'm jacked up. I, I, I just think the league is going to be so much better. I, it's strange to think that uh, Marcus Damask and Rink Mast and – uh, ben Cricky have all gone to the Big Ten. Lance Jones went to the Big Ten, and I think the league's going to be better. And and Ben Shepard went to the NBA. Um, I, I think the league's going to be better. Uh, I'm really high on the talent that's come into the league and then the players that are returning. Super excited. On Monday night, the 6th, uh, here in St. Louis, the Billikens are hosting Southern Indiana from the OVC. So that's where I will be that night because it's a business decision. I can drive 20 minutes and see one of my 22 teams. But uh so 23 now, Ohio Valley has an 11th team. Um, so, but that's where I'll be that night. And, uh, but no, I'm very excited. And, and listen, the, the, the Missouri Valley teams have some terrific opportunities to knock off some money conference teams. Uh, Northern's in a, uh, an MTE that they're going to play a power conference team three nights in a row. And mm -hmm. so if they win one or two of those games, you know, they'll be making noise. And I, I think there's a number of really good games. Oklahoma State's coming to SIU. I think that's huge, you know, and it might not be the best year for them, for SIU to be having, you know, Oklahoma State coming there, but but they've got opportunities, right? And and so I think there's a number of significant opportunities throughout the season that we get to kind of root for our guys to do some damage and to make some noise. Absolutely. And Monday, November 6th, can't get here soon enough. Um, as always, Harry Schrader from Valley Hoops Insider and Busting Brackets. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Marsh Arts Podcast. Um, it's another year and another preseason episode. We always love this. Uh, I look forward to this conversation every year. Yeah, it wouldn't be the beginning of the season without meeting with you guys. So I appreciate it. All right, Valley fans, we just got done talking to Harry Schrader from Valley Hoops Insider and Busting Brackets um, to get his thoughts on our preseason picks and also just a little bit of look ahead um, of his preseason thoughts going into this upcoming season. Now we're going to get into the award season. So first, second, third, and all of the individual awards. Baker, why don't you take us through it? Yeah, so... For uh, for me, I'll uh, we'll start with first team. We can kind of go uh, back and forth. I think we're we're pretty similar on a lot of these. Um, few disparities here and there. Uh, for me, my first team was uh, Tucker DeVries, Bowen Bourne, 
Donovan Clay, Malavai Leones, and Rob Perry from Murray State. Yeah, the only difference I had here, Baker, is I had uh, Kate Tyson from Belmont on the first team and bumped uh, Rob Perry to the second team. Yeah, and I think that, and I think that's totally fair. I think that was the one that, um, yeah, I've texted with a few people. I think that was the one that was kind of for grabs. That fifth spot was between Perry and Cade Tyson. Um, to, to, if I'm being honest, and I'm, I would imagine Perry would be your sixth player off the board. For me, Cade Tyson's my sixth player off the board. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I think it's, I think it's a, it's a close one. Um, the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, the official first team, uh, they did agree with you with Tyson Leones. Uh, Clay Bowenborn and DeVries. Uh, going into second team here, um, I do have Kay Tyson on my second team. Uh, Robbie Avila, uh, Darnell Brody, Titan Anderson, and then Kenny Strawbridge was my second team, Vance. Yeah, second team for me was uh, Titan Anderson, Robbie Avila, uh, Darnell Brody, Rob Perry, and Xavier Johnson from Southern Illinois. Um, before we compare and contrast, um, Having six players on the second and third team from the Missouri Valley uh, still just makes me want to put my head through a wall. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. <laughs> Pick five, folks. Um, I love the Missouri Valley. I love the people that work there. Pick five next time, guys. Five, five, and five. Uh, it just looks low rent. I'm sorry. It just does. Like, do we need? I think it felt it, to me it, like it looks like when we have a graphic on the screen, we're trying to have like, oh, this guy was first team all preseason. It's like we need to get as many of those as we can. Like, no, we don't. We just need five, five, and five, folks. And if is um, the voting if the voting's tied, just flip a coin, and yeah, you know, one exactly. makes it, one doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone's you know putting a brick wall up for. I didn't make third team. Um, yeah, looking at our second teams together, um, pretty much identical except for. I mean, obviously the Perry and Tyson, which we already talked about. Then uh, for that last spot, I think, and my it was my tenth was Kenny Strawbridge. You picked. Xavier Johnson over him. I think Kenny Strawbridge, uh, what he did last year from a scoring perspective, I just I like what he he brings to the table. I kind of he's kind of the known for me. That's why I went for him at that fifth uh, spot on the second team. Yeah, mine was uh, one a little bit of I hey I'm a Saluki fan, but then also um, sure. I think Xavier Johnson is um, I say one of the leaders in the locker room for SIU. I believe this upcoming season, um, yep. he really had a great second half of the conference season last year. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just um, on the defensive end, and um, I just you know I, I thought that that rose to the second team. One thing about Xavier Johnson, and um, this isn't a slight of him. I don't have him on my third team, but this isn't a slight of him because. He is a really good player, and he was definitely in my consideration for 13. But looking at his game, especially as they were going out throughout the year, it felt like he was much more comfortable with kind of taking a little more charge at times for your mm -hmm. Saluki. Is that kind of how you saw it as well? Like it felt through through the season, he felt more comfortable as you guys, you know, he, he had more ball handling responsibilities, and it didn't seem to phase him as much. Absolutely. Um, you know, I kind of circled the at Missouri State game, which I happened to be in the attendance. And um, I mean, he, it was he was a different person. And I think yep. that's really what's what spurred the second half um, success that he had. No doubt. No doubt. And and, and truth be told, if uh, if Southern Illinois does uh, exceed my expectations and maybe even others, Xavier Johnson can have a, have a big year and he's going to have to be on second team. So yep. uh, I don't think that's that's too bad of a take at all um, for my thir for third team. I have uh, Toby Okani, Julian Larry. Uh, Chance Moore of Missouri State. I have Duke Dean of Bradley. And then what I don't think I've seen anyone have is Jacoby Gillespie of Belmont is on my third team. And I, and I'm like, when I was thinking about this, he was the kind of, he was my 15th player, but I've literally seen him nowhere. And I'm like, did mm -hmm. I, like, did I screw something up? Like I loved his game. And I think he's only going to develop into a better player. 
I don't know. I, I, I really love Gillespie's game. I think he's going to be really important for Belmont this year, but that's my third team, Vance. Yeah, differing from you, I have Kenny Strawbridge on third team. You had him on second team. Uh, Chance Moore, Toby O'Connor, and Julian Larry, we agree on. Um, and then the outlier for me is Kendall Lewis from your Illinois State Redbirds. Um, really, really, really liked his game last year, um, and I, I, I thought that he would be a known name in the Missouri Valley going into this season. Um, and, and thought um, just where we're at in the preseason, uh, someone that Illinois State will rely on um, this year. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely going to have to be a big cog in the wheel. He's uh, one of their returning one. One of their re- the good thing about Illinois State this year is the guys that they are returning. They're returning a handful of guys that played a lot of major minutes and did a lot of nice things. And I think that's why I'm so high on him is because we have that core coming back, and mm-hmm. then we're bringing in guys who are just going to kind of be that garnish and make it even better. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, I love seeing an Illinois state Redbird on there. Um, I will go into the awards portion on this one and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll start with coach of the year. And, um, I think this is probably just because I'm picking them to win the league. I think that they're going to go with the coach of the champion. I think it's going to be Ben Jacobson cutting down the nets and being the Valley coach of the year. Uh, Vance thoughts on coach of the year. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I went a little bit different, um, just because if Drake wins and, um, you know, usually it goes to the coach of, of the, uh, the head coach of the winning team. But I actually picked uh, Josh Schertz of Indiana State. I think they might exceed expectations this year. Um, and so some of this was uh, just they might end up better than uh, they were and they'll award the coach to that team. Um, the pre the NBC preseason rankings didn't help my hypothesis um, because uh, they were picked fourth. Um, but uh, I have them at third and I went with Josh shirts uh, just cause he lost a ton um, and they'll be right up there um, at the end of the year. No doubt. No doubt. And I think the, to your point, you're right. There's a, the, I think that Josh shirts in a short time at Indiana state has the respect to this league. Especially mm-hmm. on paper, I think that people are expecting good things from him. Uh, player of the year in the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, I'm not picking this his team to win it, but I'm going to have to go with the best player in the league. It's going to be Tucker DeVries. Yeah, but it's Tucker DeVries across the board with myself, you, and the voters. Yep. Um, as we go to an interesting one, I think uh, I'd love to get your take on. I'll give you mine first. Uh, freshman of the year in the Missouri Valley Conference. I think this is – it's been a while since we've had this big slate of freshmen. Um, like there's 13, 14 guys that I think can be in this conversation for all freshman team this year. Um, I have two guys that stand out to me for freshman of the year, not necessarily as the highest touted players coming in, not necessarily as your chalk quote unquote in your mind. Cause I know a lot of people have see there's going to, they're going to be screaming. There's better freshmen coming. I get that for me, Kenner Davis at Southern Illinois is one of my favorites to win the league or win the award for freshman of the year. I think I'm going to give that to him. Uh, Chuck Bailey is my close second as well at Evansville. These are two guys who I think because of where they're at, and I think they're going to have to do things. They're going to have to be effective quickly, and they're going to have way more opportunity to be, you know, impacting the game, scoring the basketball. You know, you look at a guy like an RJ Taylor over at um, Northern Iowa, really good player, for example, is he going to be able to affect the game enough to be a freshman of the year candidate, especially with everything around him? So I'm kind of looking at it like like Southern Illinois. I've talked about how 
I'm afraid I'm wondering who's going to score the basketball. I think Kenner Davis is going to fit that mold. I think he's going to have all the opportunity mm-hmm. to score the basketball. So that's my pick due to that. Uh, Vance, what is your thoughts on freshman of the year in the Valley? It's a tough, it's a tough award to pick. It really is. I, I think it's, it's a different, so just freshman team in general, it's totally different than last year where last year we were trying to find freshmen to put on the team that actually contributed in a major way. This year, we're going to have um, our pick of a ton of freshmen who are going to have to step in and play uh, big minutes for um, each respective team. That's why I actually landed with Kenner Davis uh, from Southern Illinois, just because I'm looking at the roster and we need to have offense and to win freshman of the year, you have to have opportunity. Um, sure. You're not going to be freshman of the year if you're playing four or five minutes a game right um so i think kenner davis is going to have a lot of opportunity um he's a six guard out of st louis missouri uh playing for the salukis this year and just the opportunity will be there um, from a minutes and from a scoring um point of view and that lends itself well to winning these types of accolades yeah no doubt no doubt about it um newcomer of the year in the valley um a lot of new faces coming to the valley um we can go up and down the list um swope at indiana state obviously was on third team all conference so he's going to get a lot of love in this one um i look at my Redbirds at jordan davis miles foster a couple guys who are going to impact right away uh i'm going to 10 right at uh drake uh he's coming over from cal state northridge he can score anywhere on the floor he's going to be an immediate impact player on this um in this league right away. He's the kind of guy that's going to make my, he's the kind of guy that can make my prediction of Northern Iowa win the league long quick. Um, he's going to be that good. And I think that he is my pick over, I would say a close second against uh, Isaiah Swope uh, for newcomer of the year. Yeah, I, I really like that pick. Um, I do have Isaiah Swope for Indiana State. Uh, some of that goes along with where I have them picked. I have them p- uh, picked to finish third. Um, and so um, I, I have Swope, and um, that's about it. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, I'm not going to do six-man of the award because we don't know the rotations. Um, that's a really hard one. I mean, you can make a case for Chance more, I guess, but we don't know. Hey, maybe he's going to start this year. Who knows? I don't want to pick six-man of, of the year. Um, and then the final one is defensive player of the year, Malvi Leones until, uh, I see otherwise best defensive player in the league. Uh, Nate Heisey, by the way, coming back to the league, I think is going to be in that conversation. Um, Donovan Clay is also going to kind of be in the mix there. There's some good defensive players that really impact the game from the defensive side of the ball, but no one like Malavi Leones in this league from a defensive standpoint, fans. It's hard not to pick last year's defensive player of the year, um, <laughs> not at the preseason player of the year the next year if they're still in the league. Go, going on a limb there. But, uh, yeah, those are, uh, those are our overall thoughts on the teams. Vance, anything else to add? No, I, I always like going through this because we're going to be probably totally wrong on so many different levels um, towards the end of the year. Yeah. All right, Valley fans, we're excited to have back on the show last season's NVC Coach of the Year, two-time Arch Madness champion and defending Missouri Valley Conference regular season champion, Bradley Braves head coach Brian Wardle. How are we doing today, Coach? I'm doing great. That's like the nicest intro I've ever had, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yep. And, <laughs> well, I mean, the accolades are are definitely justified, and we're ecstatic to get to the 2023-2024 season. Just 12 days away at the time of this recording, the Bradley social media team put out the 12 days out with Kate Hardkey's jersey out there. Just, I think everybody's just in this season, Coach, and, and everyone's just pumped. No, they're excited. Obviously, we've we've had some success over the last five years and, and have won some championships. And 
and you and you guys know Peoria is a basketball city. They love hoops in Central Illinois. They love basketball, so uh, it's exciting around the city. I think everybody's you know wondering what this team's going to look like. You know, we we obviously lost some key pieces from last year and some really good players, but uh, we returned some good vets and, and added some talented newcomers. So I think the city is kind of our community is what are we going to look like? How are our play, you know, veterans improve? What do the newcomers look like with our vets? And so it's kind of an exciting time for, for our city. And, and hopefully we can put a great product on the floor and, and entertain and excite everyone in town. So I'm kind of curious about that coach. Um, you know, obviously last year's success, um, you know, as you're preparing for a new season with a new team, some new players on the roster, how do you use that in the off season to maybe not focus and be, you know, kind of, fall back on your laurels, but like you use it to motivate um, and build upon that success into a new season. Well, I think what you hit on, you, it's a new year, new roster, new schedule, new roller coaster ride, as I always say. So what you look back at what made you win, what, what were the key factors, maybe statistically or just um, habits and practice habits that you developed as a group that helped you win and win, you know, 12 games in a row and win an outright conference championship when there's a 20 game schedule. The first time ever we had a 20 game schedule, which was difficult. So I kind of look back at the things that guided us to victories, but also what made us lose. You know, I think that's just as important as you look at, um, you know, what happened on Sunday afternoon in Arch Madness championship game where we slipped. We, we didn't have our best at all. You know, Drake played great and we were steps low. We looked a little tired. We didn't, we didn't, we made a lot of mental mistakes. So I always look back at the losses in, in those times that we didn't perform well and said, all right, what do we, what do I got to tweak there? What do we have to tweak with this team, this personnel group? But our identity's got to stay the same. Those habits that helped us win, let's develop those every day and, and drill that home and, and, and have that discipline and accountability that our program's known for. So we have that. We've been doing that as a group. We've been, you know, drilling that every day. Guys are holding each other accountable. The coaches are holding the players accountable. Um, and then we, I think, are maybe going to add and tweak some things for this group. This group offensively can be a little bit different. And defensively, we've we've tried to change a few things that we think can maybe take us to another step higher. And I think that's important as a staff and a program to do that every year is try to find something to give you that edge and, and make you a little bit better. Coach, before we totally completely flip the page to this season, I do want to ask one question about last season. Um, obviously, winning a regular season championship, incredibly important for Bradley. Um, you could tell the fan base this was something that was different for Bradley. I mean, you'd won Arch Madness titles, but the regular season title, it felt like it meant maybe even more to the city of Peoria and to the Bradley fans all around. But for you personally, how special was it for you to have that 10-game run and be able to include it on that uh, final day at home, the win against Drake? It was very important uh, to me personally, to my family. You know, we won a regular season championship in the Horizon League at Green Bay, and it was a big deal at Green Bay. It hadn't been done for a long time there, too. And and I know Bradley would, Bradley's been just begging for some consistency, some sustainability, um, and, and having a, a, a competitive program every year at the top. And and that's what I said in my press conference is I'm going to do my best to bring that to here. and. And that's going to be a day by day, week by week task and, and discipline. And, and it's going to be a lot of work. And we've really tried to build that in this program for the city, for the community, because it had been a very long time since a regular season championship 
We had never won Arch Madness. We've never won the Valley Tournament, um, let alone back-to-back years. And so we've checked some good boxes, and I, I'm proud of what we've done. But there's definitely some more boxes to check. There's still things I want to accomplish here at Bradley that haven't been done. And and that's now that's the next that's the next expectation is is getting back to the tournament and hopefully making some noise uh, like the 2016 did. And and that's what we want to do as a program. And and you know, last year was a good step for the program, but now can we take it to another level is what we're working for. We're going into this year. Um, you had a couple of guys leave the program through the portal, uh, Montgomery and Master, the two that come to mind. Um, I guess my question for you is how have you, as a head coach of a mid-major, been able to navigate the transfer portal and stay as strong and consistent as Bradley has been over the past few years? Because, I mean, it's got to be tough every year. You know, he had Terry Roberts leave a few years ago, and you guys have still kind of maintained that uh, – that excellence you guys have been in the Valley. So how have you done that? And, and what have you done differently than maybe anybody else has? You know, I've been blessed to be a head coach. This is my 14th year at a young age. So I kind of know who I am as a coach and it takes years to figure that out as a new head coach. And you can kind of tell, I think it's different for every program, how they navigate the portal. I really do. And it's really based on you as a coach. What do you coach? Well, do you coach are you a good, can you blend a team together with eight newcomers, nine new to click and play at a high level? Um, or do you like player development like me, where I like getting my returners better. I like bringing in a couple freshmen every year. I like having balance in the classes so that we can develop and grow. That's, I think, I, you know, I have weaknesses. I have strengths. I think it's one of my strengths um, is, is being able to do that. I'm not a good coach with eight new guys. Uh, patience isn't one of my greatest attributes. It's there are guys and good friends of mine that are head coaches that go portal and, and build a whole new roster every year and they do great doing it. And, but for me, it's just not. And I tell my staff that and they know me and I've had Mike Bargain and Jimmy Foster with me a long time. They know me. And so I think you got to recruit the portal to your, uh, your program, to your style of coaching, mm-hmm. to you personally, so that you can get the most out of every team each year, because it is hard. I mean, it's sad when Rink and Zeke go, it hurts personally. I mean, it hurts every coach, but you try to be in their shoes and it's just a different world for these young men and young women. And I get it. You know, I don't, I, I might, it might take me a day or two, but I, boom, I, I love Rink and Zeke. I, I text them to this day. I wish them the best. I want all these young people to do well and find their, their home and, and succeed. But for me, it's just personal. What do I coach and do well? And, and so I, I try to find a couple portal kids mixed with a couple freshmen. And, uh, you know, we've obviously had success internationally. So maybe we'll dabble there here and there too, and, and bring in some mature uh, young people, because there is, there is something about freshmen and even junior college kids that you can kind of mold them and develop them. And, and, and they're grateful and they don't really know what their strengths and weaknesses are yet at the college level. When you get portal kids, I'll be honest, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them lack some self-awareness. They don't, they think they're really good at this and really good at this. And then you try to tell them, ah, you know, here's a strength of yours, but we got to work on this. It's not. And sometimes they don't really buy into that. And so um, that's kind of what you got to figure out as a coach and as a staff, what fits your program and your style. And, 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 and really you've got to blend a team together every year. Now we got pretty much six newcomers this year. So, I've had to be a little more patient and slower and simpler in a lot of ways. 
So I think it's it's relative to this conversation. And in my opinion, Bradley is one of the leading value programs on the NIL front. You know, I just think from the marketing, the home of the brave, you know, they're out there, they're running auctions. The signing day is very cool what they do from a social media uh, perspective. And it gives it, um, I would say, a sense of legitimacy in the Wild West that is NIL right now. You know, in, in this context, how important is that to the program and maybe specifically to the players when they're, um, you know, being recruited and, and coming in, looking at Peoria and Bradley? Well, it's 2023 recruiting. I mean, <laughs> you can say, you know, the NILs, you don't talk about it. I don't like to talk about it much in recruiting. I mean, if that's if that's in your top three as a recruit, don't come here. You know, I tell them I don't even want to talk about it uh, and because, one, you can't use it in recruiting. But to have them be able to call, like, you can go on a website and look up our Home of the Brave committee and call them and ask them about our NIL and, and what they do for Bradley men's basketball players. And that is a huge, huge benefit. Now, it takes a lot of work. And, and like, so when I hear programs not having a NIL or this or that, well, I, I, you know, I went to work on that. And I made sure when I heard that it was coming out that knowing our fan base in Peoria and our season ticket holders, you know, how – how do we do this? How do we, cause I knew that was the future that was coming. That was going to be part of our, my job is to help and, and guide, you know, our program to have an NIL group and find the right people to run it and the right people to, to get people invested in it. And what was nice about being at Bradley is we were coming off, you know, a back-to-back -back tournament championships. We have a great support group, great community of supporters and, and boosters and, it was pretty easy to find, you know, that uh, a, a nice group of guys that wanted to take this adventure on and and, and do it all the time because it really is a part time job for them and uh, it's a big benefit for our program and and it helps our players too and that's what this is all about is supporting the student athletes and, and making their experience the best it can be. Well, speaking about those uh, students and those uh, student athletes, uh, we are going to look at this year's team. Um, you are bringing back uh, a handful of well known guys in the valley, whether it's. Leones, Hickman, uh, Dean, guys that, you know, jump off the page, really good players for you last year. Um, but with the with the loss of a rink mast, what, what's going to be different about this team? And how are how is this team going to look different than last year's team on the floor? Well, with our veterans coming back, it's it's different being the number one, going from number two to number one as mm -hmm. a player. And rink had to make that transition for us. Um We've had, you know, Elijah Childs has had to do that for us. Daryl Brown did that for us. I mean, so it's that's what we need. We need Malavi to make that jump from being a number two, three guy to a one. Hickman from a number three guy to a number two, or Duke from two to one. Whoever it is, we need those guys to make that jump because um, they've worked extremely hard in the offseason to improve. And I feel like all our vets coming back have made added one or two things to their game to make them better. So that's a huge key is making that jump. We obviously lose post-scoring with mm -hmm. Ring Mass and Jay Sean Henry. And Jay Sean was always such a great, you know, kind of three, four guy for us that was a matchup nightmare in the Valley. And and just, oh, you could guarantee on his, his 10 points and, you know, six to eight rebounds every night. And so we're going to lose that post-scoring, that consistency of Vilay, consistency of Ring, consistency of Jay Hen. Zeke was an a dynamic player that could have some monster games for us uh, at the wing spot as a skilled wing. So, we're, you know, we're going to miss a lot. We lose a lot of offense and a lot of scoring there. So um, 
that's what we've worked hard this offseason is developing our returners, develop and blending our newcomers with them and tweaking some things offensively to try to get put them in positions to score and find that paint touch on offense instead of just throwing it inside. When it comes to your newcomers, which uh, is there one or two that you're most excited about? Because looking at your roster, it, I think it's it's fair to say that there's a kind of obvious four that might be kind of penciled in for your starting five. But I think a lot of people are wondering what the, who's going to be that next couple of guys that are kind of going to work it in. Do you go big? What kind of what what are you looking at from a lineup perspective? Who are those next couple of guys that we need to look out for this season? Well, as of right now, like today having about 20 some practices in and then all summer and fall together I would say Hamad Jonovic at, may start at the five for us and we might just go real big and long yeah and, and but you got a Christian Davis who was with us last year who's made a big big jump and improved a lot who was a sniper shooter but he's added more to his game and maybe maybe I go with him in the lineup and we're long still but we're not as big um, but I think Amar Ellis from Marquette the transfer he hasn't played in like two years due to injury but came highly recommended from Shaka to me, who's a friend of mine. And, you know, I respect that program a great deal, but I think Amari Ellis is going to make an impact with us just because of his length, athleticism. He's a lockdown defender. He can get paint touches extremely quick. And, that, and we went after big guards. You could tell in our recruiting class, we wanted size and length in our guards and guys that could go one-on-one -on -one and get to the paint and play make. And Amari Ellis can do that. And so Almar, our freshman from Iceland, You'll see him this year. He's 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 fun to have on the floor. Put me put it that way. He's uh, extremely skilled. Can really shoot the ball, and he's a nice change up to Meta, who we call Ahmed. We we call Meta because so he's a nice change up there. So you see Marion Almar have an impact. Um, Trey Pettigrew and Demarion Birch are both six four, really strong athletic guards that can get to the paint. Our good one on one players are still learning our system defensively and things, but I think they're just going to get better and better. And same with Kyle Thomas, who's a six ten big, long, uh, talented athlete that can really shoot the ball too. So I love our talent, Our you know, the depth's there. So competition and practice is high. And I think that's the best way to improve and win a championship is your scout team's got to be really talented and good. And that's what helped us last year win. And all my championship teams, we've always had great competition and practice. And we definitely have had that to get better uh, so far. All right, Coach, we're going to kind of wrap up here a little bit, but we're going to talk a little bit about practice. And so I'm uh, I'm a little bit curious just with the facilities with Bradley. You know, you got the Renaissance um, Center, you know, where the women play, and then obviously you're, you're at Carver Arena. When it comes to practice, how much do you flip back and forth between various venues um, as you're preparing for the season? Well, I'd say 80% of our practices are in Renko, and, and we have a beautiful arena for our, our – you know, women's basketball, women's volleyball. And then, you know, we get in there occasionally just to change up the shooting background, but we have a practice gym too connected to that, which has been great for us and in, in all our programs. And so 80% probably Renko and then we're in Carver the other time. So we get in usually some, usually the day before. So if we play Wednesday, we're in there Tuesday, shoot around Wednesday, play Wednesday night. Um, and sometimes we can't get in there till later in the afternoon. So we only get in there uh, the day before, sometimes two days before, very rarely though. And then we always try to get, you know, we'll always have a game day shoot around there. So um, they've been good with us though. They've worked with us. And honestly, it has not been an issue. We've obviously won a lot of home games and have a good home record. And our guys feel really good about getting in there and shooting and, and, and getting in there on shoot arounds and being there for game days and, and, and playing in front of a lot of our fans. So it's been really good to us. 
All right. Um, kind of rapid fire here. What's your favorite drill during practice? <laughs> oh, our my favorite drill. I, I love, you know, defensively, it's just a push step. Defensive slide drill, back to the basics, bas basketball 101, kindergarten <laughs> style. We do quite a bit, and our guys uh, got to master it. Um, I love full-court shooting drills. Like, I, I love getting our running and cardio. I'm a big cardio shooting guy. I don't like to go to the line and run sprints. I think that's very old school. I'd rather have a ball in their hand while we're running and shooting and, and getting our cardio that way. So we got, you know, 102. I love 28-2, just all team kind of bonding and team goals and competitive with the clock. Team shooting drills. Is, I'm, I'm a big fan of those. Are we sprinkling in three-man weave every once in a while, Coach? <laughs> Little, little bit early in the year, I, you know, three man weave is still a quality drill, even though it's not real game realistic where you pass and go behind. It gets them talking, catching, passing while running, get their blood flowing, get up and down. It's a good, you know, I, I think as you get older, it's a great drill to kind of warm guys up maybe before they start going live and things. It's a good warm up drill, but it's still definitely in the mix here and there, but not used as much as um, in the in the younger ages for sure. Yeah. And then, um, so from a practice perspective, are you going water or Gatorade? Oh, we got water and Gatorade. We got a little bit of both. It kind of depends on what the players like too. And, um, you know, I do if you're a lot picking of what color Gatorade you going with. If you're picking. Oh, I'm a yellow guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a lemon line for sure. Gatorade guy. There's no doubt. Don't give me blue. Don't give me purple. None of that. I just go straight lemon line. And then the last one here. Coach Wardle goes home happy after a day of practice when fill in the blank. Low turnovers when we're not turning the ball over a lot. Um, and effort was good. And and so we, we, we have good effort, but I would say just low turnovers and everybody was focused and, and locked in in all 15 guys. And that's hard to do, honestly, with my, I'm a very demanding coach and my expectations are very high. And, I love like yesterday's practice. It, the scrimmages were competitive. There was low turnovers and everybody was locked in. You didn't, I could really coach. I didn't have to repeat myself a lot. And I think all coaches can relate to that. When you're repeating yourself a lot, two or three times, and that means guys aren't paying attention and that can get frustrating after a while. But uh, we've gotten better each week slowly and we're starting to lock in a little bit more because they know games are right around the corner. So this is a fun time of year. Coach, thank you so much for spending some time with the March March podcast as we're recording this 12 days away and the Bradley Braves will be looking to defend their regular season Missouri Valley Conference championship as we head into the 2023-2024 Missouri Valley Conference season. Good luck this year, Coach. Thanks for having me. Love you guys' podcast. Do a great job. So anytime. Thank you. All right, Valley fans, we had a great conversation with head coach Brian Wardle of the Bradley Braves. Before we close things out here, um, one of my favorite segments that Baker does is run me through the gauntlet. So, Baker, um, let's do it. This is the 13th edition of the gauntlet, Vance. Uh, this is the either-or edition, actually, because this kind of takes off of our last episode where you gave me a couple either-ors, and I kind of banked a few questions here. So, uh, are you ready to go? Absolutely. All right. There was a question from the last show that is kind of leading to this one where you asked me about uh, Jacobson versus DeVries. And I think the better question is Ryan Wardle versus Darren DeVries. Ooh. Um, 
I will go with Brian Wardle. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Um, And this is like, oh, it's it's, close. It's so close. And this is going to be probably a bad take because um, uh, Greg McDermott had success after Doug McDermott left. But um, it helps when you have an all conference son um, on your roster. Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. I think for me, um, the ability to instantly rebuild the, t- the program from nothing to what he's b- built it into today. And I think he did it enough without Tucker and he yeah. won the tournament game. A slight edge to DeVries, but I think it's razor close and you can you can split hairs on that one. And once again, please do not <laughs> like posterize me for that take. It, it's just no, a factor. Dude, it's no, not no, the it, reason. Yeah. There's the, anyone who does, come on, get real. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a super close one. Don't. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, would you rather have a 12 and 0 non-conference versus a bunch of nobodies or a six and six non-conference, but you beat a top 25 team? This is just as a fan perspective, by the way, don't get into the net or anything. Oh yeah. Cause I was gonna say, I think it's so loaded because how does the second half of the season go? Um, I, I, I'd rather be as a Saluki fan. I would rather beat a top 25 team. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, all right, <clears throat> toughest building in the Missouri Valley Conference today. Ooh. Um, let's go with Carver. Yeah, I think that's probably right right now. So for those listeners, that's Bradley's uh, arena. Yeah. If you do not know your arenas. Yep. No, I think that's the right one. All right, uh, favorite memory as a Valley fan, but you cannot pick a Southern Illinois memory. What is something that stood out as a Valley fan that you remember? Whoa. Um, so many of mine are centered around that. Yeah, was I, it a you know, I got it. I got it. Go. I got it. Um, you know, I think this podcast has opened up a lot of doors for us just to have different types of experiences. I would say the first Arch Madness where we um, had more access than, than a normal fan. Um, and, you know, <laughs> Being on the court after Bradley won um, and just seeing the players up close after winning an Arch Madness championship, that was one of the coolest moments um, for me. Just to see the jubilation, the um, the excitement, being that close to the podium when they're getting their um, you know tr- their the trophy and cutting down the net. Um, that's something I'll, I'll never forget. You had me until you said Bradley. Um, <laughs> number five here. Uh, it's another question that you gave me a little bit of a tweak for you. And uh, knowing how incredibly important Arch Madness is to you. So you have to go either or here. The ability to watch every single SIU game all year, but you cannot go to Arch Madness this year. Or you're rolling the dice, and the only time that you can see the Salukis is if you go in person, but you still can go to Arch Madness in March. Okay, can you repeat the second one again? So you either can watch every single game on TV, mm-hmm. um, but you can't go to Arch Madness. You can still go to games during the year, but you can't go to Arch Madness. Arch Madness is out. Or you can still go to Arch Madness, but the only time you see a Saluki game is if you go in person. So either one, you can go in oh. person during the year throughout. But basically, yeah. you're 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 eliminating with proximity to Carbondale. You're not exactly going to every home game. So yeah. do you want to punt that? It's a, it's a hard question. Do you want to punt That's the ability to watch on the, the plus or the three versus going to Arch Madness? 
Um, I'm going to Arch Madness and I will do as many road trips as I can allow. Fortunately, where I live, I can make it to some Central Illinois schools pretty, at least I can see them twice on the road um, pretty easily, but I'm, I'm not giving up Arch Madness. Um, it's nuanced in the question and I know that you um, won't allow this one, but you know, I got to pl- plug our friend of the podcast. You know, if I get to l- listen to Luke Martin call the games for Southern, I'm pretty happy as well. I don't need to visually see it. You got hey, go back to mid 2000s, Vance, when a lot of times you were listening on the radio. That's the only way you were able to catch Saluki ball. Uh, number six here, uh, which one would hurt more going 0 2 against Illinois State or 0 2 against Murray State? Ooh, um, at this point, um, after last year, I think Murray State. Awesome. Um, next one, would you rather an NIT title or an NCAA tournament win? Oh, that's a no-brainer. Uh, NCAA win. That's a thank you. I was hoping you I would were win the NIT. No, I thought you were going to say like even just show up to like I would be a first four game. <laughs> I, like I don't like I don't even need the win. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, all right. If you could uh, relive a valley season in your life or like an era, if you could go back and like put yourself today self back then with your ability to go to games and be able to watch the game, do the podcast during that time of valley what era or what year would you put yourself back into i mean it's the mid to late 2000s lukies so like oh three to oh seven um i would have been so unsufferable on this podcast like it would have been (laughs) no one would listen to us um but it would it would have been so great i think i think for me 2006 the year we had the uh four bids and we had two teams that just missed that would have been so much fun to cover uh, maybe this, maybe that'll be this year. Who knows? All right, number nine, the best-looking uniforms and floor in the Missouri Valley. You can split <laughs> it, too. You can have either one. You can just give me one uniform that you think is the best. You can give the floor that you think is the best, if it's, as long as it's not Murray, Missouri State. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Valparaiso for both, and I'm totally kidding. Um, but <laughs> Actually, Valpo's uniforms now aren't terrible. Yeah, they're still yellow and brown, aren't they? Um, but anyway, uh, UIC for floor. Okay. UIC for um, is amazing. I agree. And then I'm going to go Drake for jerseys. Yeah, Drake's jerseys are awesome. The only thing I wish they would have done differently, and they, they, they have the best jerseys. I agree with you. I wish they wouldn't have done the big Drake logo on the gray ones. I wish they would have done the word Drake. That's my only pet peeve. Yeah. I think that's I a good that one. But their white city um, skyline ones are so they're, sick. Their their regular white jerseys are. I mean, they're the blue are so. I mean, yeah, they're, they're all good. The blue with yeah. the red. They're. I mean, I like the light. I like the powder blue with the white Drake script too. Those are great. I, I just wish they would go back to like the muscled up and like the victory sweater Drake. Mm-hmm. I wish they would go back to that because I think their logo now kind of stinks. But yeah. uh, uniforms awesome. Number ten. Um, a lot of great players have left the Valley either due to graduation transfer portal, uh, which one will hit their team the hardest this year of all the players that left rank mast for Bradley. Interesting pick. Interesting pick. I actually would, I would go with Marcus Damask. Yeah. I, think, I mean, I think, I think <laughs> we've belabored. I was just trying to get the focus off the of Southern right now. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. All right. My final boss question for you, Vance, to close us out here. Um, all right. 
Would you rather have an 8.30 quarterfinal as the three seed at Arch Madness or a 2.30 quarterfinal as the five seed with that guarantee that you won that first game? Would you rather be in that? that, Because, like, and and to take people back um, who have listened, who haven't listened to the show, Vance hates the 8.30 at Arch Madness. It's such a long day, and it's an expensive day. Um, Let's see here. I'm going to take the – in the format now, I'm going to take the win and the 5.30 game. So you'd rather your team have had played a game? Yes. Okay. Like, I mean – So that's part of this question is you're burning your team out for – that's 40 minutes you're burning out. I know. It's so tough. But it's like selfishly – with Arch, like uh, this guy, dang it! Now I'm talking myself. I mean, obviously, I want the best chance to win Arch Madness, right? Yep. But um, it's an experience, um, and I, there's nothing better than seeing Southern win um, in St. Louis. So uh, I'll take a win, and then we'll see what happens in the in the in the fi- in the five seed game at five thirty. I think you're crazy. I think you sacrifice everything. The Southern <laughs> had the best chance to cut down the nets and say, stay up till eight 30 to watch a game. Um, and I will say this as someone who's, um, who's my team has participated all across the arch madness. I mean, we've had the eight 30 game before. There's nothing worse than that noon on Thursday. That is the worst time spot for a game, especially when you're the first team who gets eliminated in the tournament. Like last year. So we make this joke so much, and like this, this joke's uh, Southern's probably going to be in the noon now. But oh, yeah. it was so funny when I it's, looked. It's going to be Southern Illinois State. It'll be we just watch Southern Illinois State. It'll be the eight nine at noon, and it'll just be miserable. When I looked at you last year at Arch Madness, and it was the eight thirty game, and I said, "Hey Baker, you guys were eliminated over twenty four hours ago." That's when we knew that Arch Madness was has just hit its. Oh my god! It was. It is so miserable. But you know what? What's what was horrible is about it all last year. I felt like for the last like six weeks of the season, I think I brought it up to you at least like twice a week, like. We're looking like we're going to be that noon game. We're going to be that noon game. I love it. I was I was praying for a Valpo win at Murray State on that last day of the season, and the, let me down, Vance. But hey, we got a long way to go before we get into those scenarios. We do. It's preseason time. It is nine days from when we're recording. The next time you hear from us, we will have some non-conference games under our belt to talk about um, along the way. Baker, where can people find us? Yeah, you guys can find us uh, at March Arch Pod, at March Arch Baker on Twitter, X, whatever it's called now. Um, and uh, March Arch Mailbag at gmail.com is also where you can find us as well. Um, upcoming podcasts, um, probably next couple of weeks, we're going to try to record something after some of these uh, games have played to uh, to give you some kind of recaps about that, uh, about some of the games that we've seen, some of the teams we've seen, and then uh, I'll look forward to some of the big non-conference games as they come about. Uh, especially when we get into MTE time. I think we'll probably definitely record something right before then as well, Vance. Absolutely. Thank you to Harry Schrader of Valley Hoops Insider and head coach Brian Wardle of the Bradley Braves joining us on this podcast. And with that, I will say, go Valley. Start talking about the Valley. Why not? <laughs>